0: Uh, G- Cassia uh, shared on, on rebuilding the wall and how the wall took how many days? 52. 52. I thought it was 54, but I'll take that. 52 days to rebuild that amazing wall that had fallen down and, and how everybody had to sort of let go of what it is they were doing and put their shoulder to the to the work. And uh, Pastor Garin shared last Sunday about... Um, the purpose of partnering and uh, and moving forward that this year is going to be a year where we don 't take our thoughts off everything that 's going on, but particularly put our thoughts on something a task that needs to be uh, done, like rebuilding that wall and uh, we 're going to enter into that uh, hopefully a building program as as this year unfolds and so it comes down to hard work susan doesn 't it It comes down to hard work and uh, and, and at times when we are so heavily focused in one direction, all sorts of other things can come undone. Is that not true? And so uh, Cass said that we needed to recognise that there is a wellspring of life that we carry. We've got to make sure that that wellspring is flowing and uh, we must make sure all the other things that we need to do need to be done while we're putting our shoulder to the plough. We need... um, there are some times when... And we're going to go through this building program. And this is just an introduction. I'll give you the title of my message in just a sec. But we're going to go through this building program, and, and it'll seem like a lot of hard work. And uh, I find, up, find out that some people turn up at the beginning of hard work. Some people turn up in the middle of hard work. And some people just seem to arrive just as the hard work is done. Yeah, is, is that a... You're flowing with me? And, and so as a result... Tensions uh, can can happen, and disappointments can creep in, and that's that's the walk of life. We have all these things that come uh, to us from time to time. But I suspect a bit more of that may occur through the year two thousand and eighteen. And so, with that, I've had a thought in my head, and I've I just would like to um, speak on a little bit this morning. If I give a title to this message, it would be would be this. Resist the drift. Resist the drift. You might say, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to take you into the book of Hebrews. Now, the book of Hebrews could have been been entitled Resist the Drift. It's a book with one thing and one thing only in mind. It's to give preeminence to Jesus. If you were to write an important letter to somebody, it's because you've heard of something that's going on in their life, either that something is disappointing going on or something fantastic is going on, and so you want to either encourage it or promote it. That's why we write to one another. Isn't that not true? And so if you look at all of Paul's letters... And we don't know whether Paul wrote this particular letter or not. But it has similarities about Paul. But nearly every letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the little churches and that that he established wasn't necessarily to encourage them, was to get them back on track. That's the purpose of Paul's letter writing. To get them back on track and giving them revelation and, and understanding. Like for instance the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is all about the mystery of the church. That's why Paul got this incredible revelation. It's not just about the wandering of saints everywhere. It was about the establishing of a church, and this this group of Christians didn't quite have it together. So Paul wrote to get them back on track, to resist the drift, and get back on track. And so. In the book of Hebrews, and I'd like to read a bit of it to you this morning. um, I'll start from chapter 1 and verse 1 because the opening part of a letter and the closing part of the letter are the two most important parts of a letter. Who cares about the fill in the middle? You never remember it anyway. Is that not true? You remember the blessing. And you, and you remember the fact that I'm coming back again. That's what you normally remember in a letter. So listen to what the, the, the purpose of this letter is found in chapter 1 and a few verses in chapter 2. That's what this letter was written for. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways through, our, through the ancestors through, uh, of, and the prophets. But now, in these final days, he's spoken to us through Jesus, his son. God promised everything to the Son. Just reading this, just taking it in is inspiring. If you were one of these Hebrew Christians that got this letter, it says that God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he made the universe and everything in it. The Son reflects God's own glory. And everything about him represents God exactly. You see, Jesus, you've seen the Father you've seen the father you've seen the son I had Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on my door a couple of days I love it I love it when they come I'm ready and at the end by the time I finished my conversation with them who really wanted to have a conversation with me they said okay if that's what you believe and they move on and I've never seen such a sad bunch of people It's all in Jesus. We see see the Son, we see the Father. They are inseparable, according to this letter. He sustains the universe by the mighty power of his command. After he died to cleanse us from the stain of sin, he sat down in honor, the place of honor, at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Verse 8. To his Son, he says... Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your royal power is expressed in righteousness. You love what is right and you hate what is wrong. Therefore, God your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anybody else. And this is this statement is made to these Hebrew Christians that are starting to drift. And he's trying to get their focus back into that area that was so important. The reason they were drifting was because their non-Jewish Christian friends started to speak into their lives and say, well, I'm not too sure about this, but this was, this was our safe fallback position, remember? You guys have moved on to something else which was a higher revelation. We know which was Jesus. And, and as a result, some of them started to drift and started to lose their way a little bit. And that's why the writer starts to bring words of wisdom to say, this can happen to anybody. And it's starting to happen to you. He goes on and says, and God never said to angels. You see, they started to believe more in angels than they did in the Son of God. They somehow put Jesus and the angels on the same plane, if you read the whole of chapter 1. But then he goes on and says in verse 13, God never said to an angel, as he did to his son, sit at my right hand until I humble your enemies and make them a footstool under your feet. But angels are only servants. It says in actually in verse 6, are the servants of flaming fire. I'm into angels, make no mistake about it, but they're no way on the same level of Jesus. They're servants, it says here. They are simply servants. They are spirits sent from God to care for those who receive salvation. There's a promise for you. Angels are meant to come and minister and care for and do all of those things. If you haven't been putting your angel to work lately, it's about time you did. He's getting a bit skinny. He's a little bit. He wants to flex some muscle. There was a time years ago when we all we ever preached about was angels and putting them to work. But somehow, these Christians subtly got confused, and they brought this whole realm of the supernatural all on the same level. But Jesus is not on that level. He's far greater. He's gone through the heavens and sits at the right hand of the Father. You see Jesus, you see his Father. So he says this, and this is the crux of what I want to get to. So we must listen very carefully, it says in the New Living Translation, or it says in the King James Version, we must give earnest heed... We must be very careful, he says. We must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it. The message God delivered through the angels has always proved true and the people were punished uh, for every violation of law and every act of disobedience. What makes us think that we can escape if we have an indifference to this great salvation that was announced by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. It was passed on to us for those that have heard him speak and God verifies it with signs and wonders and miracles by giving gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever he chooses. The the, the verse that I'm particularly interested in, it says, says, be careful lest we drift away. Now, just recently, you think of the word drifting and you normally think of a boat and water you certainly think of, oh, doing a drift, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 I didn't, I didn't think of breaking the law, and, and, uh, and just recently, uh, Margaret and I went and had morning tea in a little spot which we go to regularly, it's, it's, it's at the boat ramp of Tomekin River at Mossy Point, you know where that is? You know exactly where that spot I'm talking about is, bro. You've sat under the trees, I'm sure. And, and, uh, and, and we, we, we take a cup of coffee, cup of tea, and we'll go down and sit there. And every time we go, it's different. And uh, we sat there recently. As we drove into the parking lot, down the bottom near the river, the entire parking lot was jam-packed with boats, boat trailers and cars. You could not move. I've been there many times, and there was sometimes two or three. There would have been at least 30 the yesterday it was actually yesterday and I was sitting there and I was watching this and it was beautiful and calm and and uh, the tide was going out it was almost fully low tide but it was still going out at a fair rate and uh, there were people gathering and a few dogs and a few pelicans and this. Uh, it was lovely I had my nice cup of tea there then all of a sudden the weather just started to change a little bit and one after another about quarter to twelve, in come the boats, one after another, it was just amazing, it was like they all knew maybe they had the weather forecast, I don't know what it is, they'd been out while the conditions were brilliant and I thought it was time to get back in, but I watched them boat after boat after boat and there were so many coming, they started to park their boats on, 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 the, on, the, on the sandy area of the river waiting their turn for the guy to go and get the, um, the car and the boat trailer to load on and I thought this was fascinating, watching all of these different people, seasoned boatmen, some novices and all that. And this is what I noticed. Um, the current was moving and the wind had a little bit of strength in it. And I was watching the boats drifting. One guy would get out and he'd pull his boat up onto the sand and, and somebody would stand and he'd race up to get his car. And while he was gone, that boat started to react and the person in charge of the boat, every person seemed to have a different way of being in charge of the boat. And they were reacting in all different ways. In fact, there was one guy that hopped out of his boat and his, his son stood on the sand, about a 12-year-old boy, and the guy's dad was still in the boat. So you had about a 70-year-old guy and then his son and then his son, three generations of the same family there. The guy raced up to get his boat and the boy was just looking around the beach, and then all of a sudden, the boat was moving about just a little bit, and then it started to pull out into the river. And I thought, should I jump up and, and grab this boat? What should I do? The dad, the, great, the older man was sitting in the boat, reading something in the boat not noticing what was happening and although this is this is exciting I'm this is great I'm loving every minute of it Jerry this is really good and and, um, and and then quickly somebody grabbed the boat to to resist the drift another couple of boats were lining up uh, and uh, these people at least had somebody out on the on the on the terra firma with a rope in their hand but this was good and then all of a sudden The boat's those few boats started to drift. The rear end of the boat started to drift and they started to bump against one another. And you can imagine how tempers can fray when things start bumping against one another. And uh, everyone had a good time, by the way, because everybody caught hundreds and hundreds of fish. The fish were on yesterday, mate, I tell you. I don't know if you're out there. It was amazing. This little kid caught a flathead that big. I, I tell you not. And there were, but there were fish everywhere. But, but they all start, they counted and started to change as the drift started to affect the boats and then then there were two men and I'll finish with this there were two not my message just the illustration there were two men there were two older men obviously experienced and they had a rope on the front and they had a rope attached to the back and together they stood on there and they could control their boat it wasn't drifting as other boats were moving around. It was fascinating to watch how people responded or didn't respond to the drift. And the writer to the book of Hebrews is talking to us and saying that uh, in, in your least expected moment, drift, for one reason or another, can start to come in on your life when you least expect it. So I doodled some thoughts down about the impact. What can happen? What's this thing about drifting all about? Things we should know about drifting. Here's number one. Drifting requires no effort. Requires no effort whatsoever. Those guys just stood there and the drift just started to take over. Drifting is an unconscious process. As well as it requiring no effort, it doesn't require any thought. Drifting... We never drift upstream, we always move to lower ground. These boats weren't going up the river, the river was higher than the ocean itself, and they were starting to drift in the wrong direction. Drifting doesn't bless you, it doesn't lift you up, it actually brings you down. Drifting is dangerous to others nearby, and I explained the fact that these boats were starting to drift and bump and all sorts of things. So, so drifting can, can affect those other people around us. And finally, drifting can end in disaster. Now, I didn't see a disaster the other day, but I was just starting to visualise the old bloke as he's reading his magazine looking up and finding himself in New Zealand. <laughs> that that would be a disaster. Uh, uh, but, but drifting... Uh, I went fishing once, uh, this is before Garam was born, I went fishing once in a little boat, this is before I was even married, I had a boat, I sold my boat to buy an engagement ring, everyone go oh, oh great, There's some good, there were some good men in the world, anyway I, I used to go fishing and I was fishing in Port Hacking, Port Hacking, Botany Bay, Sydney Harbour, And I was fishing in Port Hacking with a couple of my mates, and we wanted to drift. Now, drifting is good if you're controlling it. And we wanted to do some drifting, and we were drifting to try to catch Flathead, who'd like a moving bait coming across it. And while we were drifting, I was not conscious of the fact that I was going towards a sandbar. And it was high tide, and then we were so enjoying ourselves that I heard a noise, and as I turned around... A wave crashed over the sandbar and flipped the boat. I want to tell you, drifting can lead to disaster if we are not careful. Now, there is a famous story of a drift in the Bible. And it's found in the book of Acts. And it's written written all around um, Paul the Apostle. And uh, I'd like to just highlight some thoughts. Uh, we won't read the story, but in Acts chapter 20, verses 20 to 30, it's the story where Paul is on a ship and he's, but he has to go. The Lord instructed him. He had to go to Rome. He had to go to, to, to court and, and stand up to, to justify what he's done. And he got on this ship in the Adriatic Sea. And uh, a storm blew up. we know that don 't we now? This was a type of drift this was a this was a a strong drift that was taking charge over the vessel and, and the vessel was in all sorts of trouble and as a result um, uh, they started lightening the load and they started doing all these other things and, and eventually uh, they started to get closer to land. And the Bible says, I think it's around about verse 25, 26, when they knew that they were coming close to land, they let down four anchors. Now very few boats have four anchors, most boats have one. But large vessels have at least two. This one had four anchors. And they let down the anchors in the hope that they could resist the drift. Otherwise, they were going to be possibly shipwrecked. And they came to a place where they stuck on a reef. And we know the story. We know the story. Of, we all know this story. I'm sure we all know this story. And There's some good illustrations here in the story and about um, about resisting the drift. And uh, And so... Paul, I, I, I want to just give you four thoughts this morning. I could give you thousands of thoughts and you're glad I know that I'm only going to give you four. But um, we need to realise that the soul of every Christian needs to have a, a good anchored harbour. We need a good anchored anchoring spot in a harbour. Hebrews chapter 6 speaks about that and says that we we need to be anchored sure and and hope is one of the things that will anchor us and we need to recognise that whether we're saved or unsaved, young or old, black or white, or anything in between, every single soul on the the planet needs to to be anchored, needs to have confidence, needs to be assured. And and sometimes things like drifting uh, will cause us to become unstable, insecure, disappointed, um, brokenhearted, all these types of things. And Paul knew that. These sailors knew they were in serious trouble. But the Apostle Paul spent time with God, And God gave him a breakthrough. God gave him an answer. You see, hope itself, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, it gives us the ability, it takes us through the veil into the very presence of God. And so when you drift, you don't have a lot of hope. And so Paul comes up uh, with some thoughts here uh, through these ankles, or I've come up with some thoughts through Paul's statements and if I can just touch on what they could be with you, it says very clearly that uh, anchor number one, and this is Paul writing to the church in uh, Colossians in chapter chapter 2, verse 6. He talks about, and I'll just read it to you, verse 7, it says, let, let your roots grow deep down into Christ and draw up nourishment from him so you will grow in faith and the truth in the truth that you've been taught. And my first thought is that we need to have an anchor that is so rooted in, in Jesus Christ and in the teachings of Jesus Christ uh, because that's going to be security to our soul. Uh, you know, we've, we, we have all sorts of things going on in the world. We live in a secular society and, and, um, and all sorts of pressures and rules and laws and everything can change. And if we are not careful that we can start to drift and believe in the, uh, some of those laws which are inconsistent with the word of God. And, and so Paul says to, to us, you, if you really want to resist the drift, make sure that your heart, make sure that your life, make sure that your thoughts are rooted in Christ and, 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 and live on the things that you've been taught. You know, the message of the gospel has never changed. The methods might change, but the message has never changed. Uh, there is a lot of people that can preach the gospel better than I can, but there isn't anybody that can preach a better gospel than I can. I want you to think about that. The message will never change. But the way people can deliver it and, 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 and all of that sort of stuff can change all the time. You can go from a four-hour service to a 15-minute service. I've been in them all. But Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. We've got to make sure that we're rooted and grounded in Christ and draw our nutrition from him. So that's the first thought about resisting the drift. The second thought is that we need to keep our minds secure on the word of God. You see, Paul said uh, in that passage in Acts chapter 27 that he heard from God. And God spoke to the apostle Paul the word of God speaks. Did you not know that? I'm sure you did. Uh, We can read the Bible as a book or we can read it as something that's going to enlighten our soul. And God wants to enlighten our soul. He, he, he breathes on it by the power of the Spirit, and it can do something powerful. Hebrews, again, in the latter part of this particular book, speaks about if we can get a hold of the Word of God, if we can keep our minds secure on the Word of God, like Abraham did, we could have our name written in chapter 12. And uh, it's that whole chapter is about walking by faith. It's a powerful thing, having hold of the word of God. I'm not asking anyone to memorize the word of God, but it's good to dwell on the word, irrespective of what's going on or not. We sung a song this morning just now about God is my healer and God is my deliverer. Well, sometimes through life you may get healed and sometimes you may not, but God is still God. You need to lay hold of what he says about you in his word. We are saved, we are being saved and we will be saved. My spirit saved, my soul realm, my mind, all those things are being transformed by the renewing of, of the salvation grace of God and one day I will get a saved body. I just happen to be living in borrowed, I'm in rental accommodation right now, Kevin. And every now and again, I've got to speak to the landlord, say, can you help it a little bit? And he says, I'll give you a little bit of help, but I'm preparing a better body for you. And that will ultimately be safe. So there's a process that goes on. So I don't worry too much about my body. I rather would hang on, keep my mind stayed on the word of God because it's the word is going to be like an anchor to my soul and resist the drift. Now, the third thing is we need to possess an unshakable hope. And I started to touch on that earlier. This hope in in Hebrews chapter 6 is in God's word and God's promises and it builds confidence like a strong, trustworthy anchor to your soul. That's what the Hebrew says, like a strong, trustworthy anchor. He starts off with a drift and he starts to talk about getting hold of an anchor and we need to realize that hope is a powerful thing you know without hope we can grow a little weary and sick bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick i love hope i'm an optimistic person i i I, margaret will tell me all sorts of things don't worry about doing with that but i've got this picture of hope get you behind me i got this picture of hope And hope's a powerful thing. It it gets you up in the morning. It keeps you up at night. Hope is powerful. There's only going to be three things remain. Love, faith, and hope. And they abide together. They're inseparable, the writers tell us. Now, that's the third thing. And the fourth thing, we need to stay connected to the crew. This is another anchor that's very important. See, when people start to drift... It's very easy to lose contact. It's very easy to seem more disappointed. But Paul said to the guys on the ship, every one of you need to stay with the boat or you will not be saved. Now, he was speaking in a literal sense to them. But I think that's true. There's enough scripture that supports us, that suggests to us that uh, while we're going through a hard time, While while we've lost our focus, um, we we need to draw from others. Uh, Brother, I I, I don't want to, I won't elaborate on what we discussed a couple of of weeks ago, but uh, uh, Jock was telling me that he was going through a very difficult time. And uh, I didn't know it, and maybe you didn't know it, but I thank God that somebody knew it. Others knew it. You know, I haven't got a clue what's going on in Garen's heart today, or yours, Belinda, nor you mine. And you could be juggling most of your oranges in the air today, and I'm at level two. I've got two only. And in a week's time, I might have one, or I might have five, or I might have six. None of us knows exactly where the other one is at emotionally or physically or mentally. We're all on the same path, but we're all at different stages of the same path. We all have dynamics in our family life or our workplace, but we all have different dynamics in our family and our workplace. And sometimes that could be great, and sometimes that could be difficult. But Paul understood that, and he said, while while you're going through what you're going through, stay in the boat. That's one of the greatest anchors of your life. Stay with the boat. Stay, and the boat refers to the church stay, stay with the body of related believers and, and I'm not into legalism I, I, I don't know where half of you live and, and this so I'm not into marking a role and I knew pastors that would mark the role and if they weren't there Sunday night be back around at your door to find out why and they'd pick up and they would pick up the offering that you didn't put in while they were there I'm not into a legalistic church and neither is Pastor Garen or any of us, I'm sure, here. But there is something unique about the gathering of the body that becomes like an anchor that helps us to resist the drift and gets us through. Tunnels always have two ends. They're not one-ended. And sooner or later, while we're bouncing with one another and encouraging one another, we will find that the light there and it'll draw us through. So I want to encourage the church this morning, 2018. It's going to be a great year. It's going to have a lot of drift of coming across it from time to time. It'll have issues where maybe people are going to bump together a little bit and, and some of us may be not as wise as others and do this, that, and the other. But I, I want to encourage you, as subtle as drifting is, we need to lay hold of at least those four thoughts. Stay in the boat. Lay a hold of the Word of God. Uh, recognize that uh, hope is the anchor in, in your harbour that is going to encourage you to get you through and, and of course be rooted and grounded in the things of Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? I, I pastored churches for 30 years and it was very interesting uh, Garen asked me to share a word and there's nothing that gets a person more focused than he's got to stand up in in front of a group of people. And there were many times um, I would say to Margaret, I don't want to go to church today. And she'd say, you have to, you're the pastor. And and what she was trying to say is, um, you've let your professionalism carry you. And that, on many occasions, kept me there. But in my heart, I was drifting. And, and people could tell the times when I was drifting. He knows when I drift. You know when your partner drifts. And yet, last night and this morning, I got up and I said, this is great. And my, my professionalism, the sense of me needing to do something pulled me back together I need you to pray for me and I need to pray for you we're in this boat together we're going to move throughout this year and it's going to be an exciting year and it's also going to have its ups and its downs but we need to pray that we can resist the drift would you close your eyes with me Father We thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful book of Hebrews that declares to us that Jesus is at your right hand. He is the mirror image of you. He is one with you and he is you. We thank you, Lord, that it is the word of God that is true. And there will become from time to time subtle deceptions that try to weaken that over our lives. We recognize, Father, today that there are times in our life when pressures will come which will cause us to drift. We've lost our cutting edge. We've lost our passion for the Word. We've lost our passion for fellowship with you. Lord, disappointments can take over, and before you know it, we're doing things that we thought we would never, ever do. Father, help us. We need your help today. We pray for one another That, Lord, that your grace would be more than sufficient to get us through. Give us each wisdom, Father God, to have courage in love to share something with another that if it's going to help get us back on track. Father, we are here for one another and we thank you for your word. May this word be a blessing to us today. See us through, Lord. We need anchors on our soul.
1: your eyes closed for a moment, if you don't mind. we just got two more minutes. We're going to finish the service in one moment, but um, I love that I was encouraged. I was uh, challenged in many ways then, um, but I just, I, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to close the service without giving people the, option, the opportunity to put their anchor in Christ, maybe for the first time, maybe it was maybe it's again, you need to do it again. To find Christ as the center of your world. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. And after this prayer, then we're going to close the service. Then we're going to have a cup of Then we're going to enjoy our day. But this is very important. So if this is you this morning, just pray something along these lines in your heart. Lord Jesus, I want you to be the center of my world. I want you to be my anchor. Uh, Life tosses me around, blows me from here to there, but I believe that I'm meant to be connected to you. So forgive me for the times when I haven't been and help me in my future times when I'll be challenged not to. Come and be my Lord and Savior, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's a beautiful prayer. I've probably prayed that prayer maybe 2,000 times in my life. And uh, but if you've prayed that maybe for the first time please come let me know I'd love to have a conversation with you and give you something to help you on your journey have a great week we'll see you next Sunday uh, for those at Bible study you'll get together during the week I heard it was a great time 13 odd people there that's on a Thursday morning you can still be a part of that God is good is the topic of uh, the term at that study have a great week and uh, grab a cup of coffee and say hello to someone you haven't seen for a while God bless.